three days ahead of the actual draft, Trevon Walker all of a sudden becomes the favorite to go number one overall. But now that we're getting closer and closer to the draft, I'm seeing more people saying, no, it's Aiden Hutchinson. This is like just the pre-draft hype, right, where it's like, oh, somebody's going to drop who has no business dropping, right? Your gut feeling at what we see at number one. I actually I actually trust the Trevon Walker thing, and here's why. Now, this isn't the only reason, but you remember a few years ago, something like this happened, and there was kind of a fill-in there at number one, and then the week of the draft, everyone's saying the Cleveland Browns have switched up. They're going to take Baker Mayfield, and I was someone that was like, no way. That's not happening. You can take Deshaun Watson. You can take... Pat Mahomes, I didn't believe in Pat Mahomes as much coming out of Texas A&M. I mean, Texas Tech at at that point, uh, I was high on Deshaun Watson. I was like, why would you ever draft uh, Baker Mayfield over Deshaun Watson? First of all, second of all, there's other people that you can go up and get. This is just, this is a smoke show. There's no way. But if the Browns are going to be the Browns, I guess they'll take Baker Mayfield. And up till that name was announced, I was like, there's no way this is happening. And then it happened. And, And then it was true, right? So, but again, this is a lot like this year where you kind of had a fill in at number one, I feel like, because Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson, yeah, a good player, whatever, not, not the number one pick. And, and I, me and you have, have said that for a long time and I don't want to steal words out of your mouth, but, but I mean, I, I completely yeah, believe that. Like, no, I, he's, he's not, not good enough of a player. I don't think to be the number one pick top five, top 10, maybe. For sure, I can see that, but not someone you want to build uh, your 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 structure around, even defensively, even if you're just talking about the defense. So, I kind of believe it, um, uh, and and I think it's Teron Walker going number one, especially when you talk about that power dynamic of of all the different sides there with the Jaguars that kind of might want different people, and maybe this is Balky's last kind of last stand, right? This is his last point. Okay, we'll take him one. We'll take your guy number one. And if he doesn't work out, if things don't work out this year, that's your last chance. So I, I think it's going to be Walker. I'm kind of there with you. I mean, you look at everybody's mock drafts now, and obviously Todd McShay, uh, Mel Kuyper, those guys, they both have Trevon Walker as their number one overall pick right now. Uh, but, you know, the guy I always go to who gets more of these things right. They call them, uh, what does Greg Cody call them, exactos, where you get the team pick and player exactly right. Charlie Campbell from WalterFootball.com is that guy. Like He is that person in real life. He has more correct picks over the past five years than anyone else in the business. He put out his mock draft, his final mock draft today, and of course it's seven rounds. His seven-round mock draft. (laughs) Of course, and it's just going to get immediately annihilated as soon as like one trade gets made. But he has Trevon Walker going number one overall as well, and I just I think it's going to happen. I think Trent Baalke, he has the final say, and that's just because Shad Khan has given him that power and given him that infrastructure. To Doug Peterson, I appreciate what you said about tackles, scouts. Which again, when I think of the scouts, I think about just a windowless conference room with a bunch of guys in like the the starter jackets styrofoam cups of coffee and they all want to take Aiden Hutchinson but I think it's going to be Trevon Walker now that being said I think pretty clearly Aiden Hutchinson will go number two if he doesn't go number one 
And for local interest, I think there's two different ways this goes. And Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay kind of gave you the eh scenario and the oh my God, please happen scenario. So right now, Mel Kuyper has Drake London going number eight overall to the Atlanta Falcons, who's not even my number one wide receiver on the board. And here's the problem I have with that. If you are picking somebody at number eight, it's not just for next year, right? You're trying to build your team or a position group around this player, right? The only reason you're taking a Drake London over Jamison Williams is because of an ACL tear. And so if you take Drake London at number eight, allow somebody else to take Jamison Williams later, four years from now, you're going to look like the biggest fools in the draft. I mean, maybe the Jaguars end up looking like that. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Trevon Walker is going to be really good. But in terms of positional value, if you jump up and take Drake London at eight, where he is not projected to go that high, maybe a mid-first-round pick, right? I understand you have a dire need at wide receiver. And you let somebody else get Jamison Williams, and he's balling out in the league four or five years from now, making Pro Bowls, and you have Drake London, and he's kind of okay. I think that's a nightmare scenario for the Falcons. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, you talk about, you know, yesterday we were talking about not not reaching for somebody. And as you mentioned, uh, I think when you just talk about pure value, I don't know if he is your guy at number eight. And and I'm a huge believer in Jamison Williams. I think he's the, he's the best wide receiver in this draft. And yeah, like you said, it it could be one of these situations where you pass over someone uh, because of, you know, we don't know how he's going to recover, all this other stuff. But, well, man, if he does recover, which 90, like 90, 95% of players, I feel like, without looking at the hard numbers, uh, but but you look at guys that have been able to come back from these injuries lately, right, as, as things have gone on, as we've progressed um, over the past 15, 20 years, you know, I I wouldn't not pick a guy because of a, a torn ACL by any means. Yeah. So I think that's a huge mistake, first of all, um, and, and no one's making a take. Now, I think London's a, a different conversation, too, than maybe a Garrett Wilson. I'll, I'll at least hear, like, the Garrett Wilson Well, I do have to, I do have to correct myself real quick. I kind of got my mock drafts mixed up. Charlie Campbell has Drake London going number eight. Mel Kuyper has Garrett Wilson going number eight. And, yeah. again, I think it'd be okay if you really feel like you need a wide receiver, but – Here's the dream scenario that I want to put out here. And this is Todd McShay's mock draft for the Falcons. Uh, he has Trevon Walker going one, eight hundreds and two. And uh, I'll, I'll let you read the article on ESPN.com. But for the Atlanta Falcons, he has one Kayvon Thibodeau falling to the Falcons at eight. And the more I think about this, the more I would be okay with him or Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State by way of Georgia, by way of Independence Community College. He was on, you know, he was on that last chance you show, right? Yeah, yeah. And he, he was just kind of too quiet to be one of the main personalities on a show that has a whole lot of loud personalities, right? Which is a good thing, right? Well, which yeah. Kind oh, of yeah. a good thing. Oh, yeah. But that being said, uh, I would not hate Jermaine Johnson here. He's 
bigger dude, 260, 265 pounds, playing that outside linebacker spot. Uh, then Kayvon Thibodeau, right about that same size too. I should say outside linebacker edge spot. Kayvon Thibodeau, right about that same size as well. But I think for the Atlanta Falcons, you need everything. Right, you need every single position. So I think you just take best available. So if you have everything graded out and you have uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, Jermaine Johnson, a Garrett Wilson or Drake London, a Kyle Hamilton, right? You have all those guys sitting there. Then you just take whichever one you have graded as the best because you need all of those positions. You need a safety, right? You need a pass rusher. I would still argue you need a couple more offensive linemen, but I'm feeling like they think they can get some interior offensive line help a little bit later in the draft. So I just think you grade those guys out and you take the best available. I understand your wide receiver room is bad, 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 but there's going to be some moves made after the draft and you're going to be able to go out there and find some people in free agency and sign some undrafted free agents that can help you out a little bit. So there's, there's going to be some wide receiver help. I would love to see a cave on Thibodeau or a Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I would be, I wouldn't be mad. See, that's the thing with, especially the defensive line uh, prospects in in the draft and the possibilities of the Atlanta Falcons there at eight. I wouldn't be unhappy with uh, like I, I know we talked about yesterday about uh, t- about Thibodeau and and everything there. I wouldn't be unhappy if they went and got a Thibodeau, but at the same time, I, I think there are you know other needs that that you could be able to fill and other players that I would I would more like at at that number eight position. Now, that's the interesting thing about number eight, right? Is while there's no five-star, just incredible, you have to have these guys players in this draft, there's a lot there, There's a lot of depth, especially at certain positions. And I feel like at eight, in a draft like this, you're not going to have anyone, like all those guys aren't going to be gone. Uh, I think that's the, the good thing there about the Falcons being at eight. I don't feel like a possibility happens tonight where you sit and look at the draft board there at eight and say, man, none of our guys that we wanted are available. You know? No, but I do think there's some like, and again, I think a lot of Falcons fans, and I, I'm not, I'm not one of the ones who is past this yet either. I guess still get their vibes from the Thomas Dimitrov, Dan Quinn era. Yeah. Right. Like they're kind of thinking like, I got my draft day vibes, and there's a Jamal Anderson on the horizon, right? Where you're just like, right. Or you have another Vic Beasley situation, right? So I, I think Falcons fans unfairly maybe are still projecting that on this current front office like Terry Fontenot we have one draft what eight picks to kind of judge him off right now and I thought the first one he did a pretty dang good job on with Kyle Pitts now will I hear questions about Richie Grant and some of the other selections after that yeah thousand percent but I think this one right here because this is again they're they're never going to say it but we'll say it for him this is the start of the of the rebuild process for the Falcons. Like I said, you can kind of start laying a foundation. This is, I think, probably going to wind up being the most important draft for him. Maybe until you draft a quarterback, but this one right now feels extremely important. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And like you said, because of because of how many picks they have in the draft too, like you can really go out and kind of build an, an arsenal of really, really good young players if you can hit it on the head, if you can... Uh, hit this, hit this out of the park. So yeah, hopefully they do that uh, again. And and you know you start like you said about the the protecting thing in the last regime. Like once you're so used to something, especially in sports, especially with one franchise or or with one team, and it's one you love, 
you just get used to it, and like you said, you just kind of expect it. So hopefully right. we don't get that tonight. Um, for, for the the wide receiver thing, you know, and and for the Thibodeau thing, I w- I would be happy with Thibodeau if if they came away with them. Um, I think again, I think you can get wide receivers there in that in that second round. There's so much depth uh, at that position in this draft, and even if you have a guy that you think's gonna go, like you have two draft picks in this second round, right? Here's here's question for you. If we're getting okay. the end of the first round, uh, they get offensive linemen. Let, let's say uh, they get cross, right? Get what him there in the first round. Now you're looking for a wide receiver there. End of the end of the first. You have those two picks, and you feel like that guy you you need you want at the wide receiver position is about to go. Would you be happy if they traded both those second round picks for a first round pick and and one really good wide receiver instead of two? Potentially really good wide receivers. If it's like a Jamison Williams is hanging out in like the twenty third, twenty fourth pick, and you package those second round picks together to jump yeah. up and grab them, yeah. But if it's for like a Chris Olave, probably not, because I feel like a John Mechie or a George Pickens is going to be available a little bit later. There's some other guys too who tested really well at the draft. Those two picks are super valuable. I think for the Falcons, their goal, and I think what needs to be the reality is, you have five picks in the first eighty two. You need at least three starters out of that. At least three starters in 2022 out of this draft class in those first 82 picks. The rest, if you need some more developmental guys, like last year, did not understand the Jalen Mayfield pick. Really didn't. But maybe I'll be proved wrong, proven wrong coming up in the future. But right now, one of the worst run and pass blocking grades in PFF. I say what you will about PFF, but you can just watch the games and know dude was out of his element. So it's it's going to be interesting to me to see tonight. But, yeah, I'd be completely okay with the Falcons standing pat. I would – hell, if somebody wants to, I would be completely okay with somebody ju- or somebody jumping up and getting that eighth pick from the Falcons and having them drop back. So there's a lot that could happen tonight. But you did mention hitting it out of the park earlier, which is a wonderful transition to what we're going to talk about next. Atlanta Braves been struggling a little bit on offense to start the season. They're about to get a pretty good injection into this lineup from one Ronald Acuna Jr., who is back with your Atlanta Braves for the first time since last summer when he tore an ACL. Got the call up from Gwinnett, where he's been down there on a rehab assignment. He'll be joining the Braves. We'll talk about what it means next right here on Second Down. Man, I'm getting excited because I think there's going to be a whole lot of action. Everybody always likes to think they know what's going to happen. I think we're pretty set at what's going to happen at number one. Then at number two, the Houston Texans, I think, are where this draft starts because there's a lot of different ways they can go. Offensive line, uh, do they go up and get a Kyle Hamilton, right? He's he's the guy that you've seen all over the TV screens today saying you know, just a fast riser in this NFL draft. Is he the freaky prospect that everybody's going to bank on? But, PJ, in my hands right here, just want to just hold it up to the screen. We have our – It's beautiful. It, right. It's our coach's corner, ESPN Savannah Forum. Come in, fill it out. You need picks one through ten. And then we got a little tiebreaker here at the bottom. That's the final score of the Braves Cubs tonight. Come in, fill that out. And if you get the most picks correct, courtesy of John Henderson and the folks here at Coach's Corner, you are going home with a 70-inch flat screen TV. We'll be hanging out here all the way through the first round tonight. So listen, here's how it's gonna go. 
we're going to get off here at three. The guys for three and out are going to hop on. They're going to go from three to six. And then for the folks listening on the radio, we're going to transition over to some Braves pregame. And then we have Braves Cubs coming up for you tonight on the radio. If you are in Savannah, come out, hang out with us. Again, we're broadcasting live from two to six. And then we'll be hanging out here watching the Braves, eating some food, drinking some beverages. And then we'll be watching the first round of the NFL draft with you tonight as well. So come hang out with us here at Coach's Corner. Just there's not a better spot to to consume all this. You're like, oh, Christian, I want to watch the Braves, and then I want to watch the draft. I can do you one better. You can watch the Braves, you can watch the draft, and then you can watch the draft on another channel on another TV. All the while eating wings, eating fillies, drinking beer. It's a good night. So come hang out with us here at Coach's Corner in Savannah. Going to be an awesome night. And again, all you have to do is come in and sign up with your top 10 picks. And if you get it right, you got a TV. So, I mean, PJ, it's, it's going to be a wonderful evening, especially cherry on top. When your Braves run out there tonight, there is a very distinct possibility that at the bottom of the first, you're going to hear them come over the speakers in the stadium and saying, now batting for your Atlanta Braves. Center fielder. Number 13, Ronald Acuna. I mean, how good is that going to be to hear? Insanely good. Insanely good. And, I, I mean, we, we've talked about it recently, right? Just how much the Braves need this injection and need it now. And especially coming up after after a night like last night, right? Where you go, go a little long there, bats not really working insanely well get beat in extra innings, it's time, man. It's time to bring him back, and I'm, I'm happy he's healthy. I'm happy that he's been playing so well. He's been so comfortable uh, there in the minors and whatnot, and and yeah, I, I am pumped to, to see Ronald Kinney Jr. back. Hopefully, again, hopefully he's, he's back tonight. I know they've activated him. Hopefully he's starting tonight, and we'll, we'll see on that lineup coming up soon, but no, you're, you're exactly right. Can't, can't wait for this. Super excited. And hopefully, yeah, you know you're going to get great play from him in the field. Hopefully, we're, we're able to see an automatic injection of, of life and energy into the bats. And a lot of times, it can work with the people around you, right, in that lineup. What you, one bat gets going, man, and it's like the other ones start to come yeah. alive. That, that motivation, that energy just starts uh, going through the dugout. Well, we saw that last year. Just I know people keep coming, to, but we... Go back to last year and, and all those trades that have made the energy that was brought into the, the clubhouse, and boom, you ride that, and guys just keep getting better and keep moving forward to the postseason and you win a World Series. So hopefully we can see that type of energy come in from Ronald Acuna Jr. tonight. And we already know, even if the, the bat doesn't automatically start, the energy in the dugout and, and in that clubhouse that he brings is yeah. kind of undebatable as well. So I'm I'm very happy about that also. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think just the team so far has felt just clunky, right? It's just they're trying to get through some kind of muck. And like it's, you, you feel like, I mean, PJ, they haven't won a series yet. Yeah, it's rough. We're this far into the season. The Braves haven't won a series yet. And they're just kind of sitting there, what, 7-11. and 11, and you're going for your first series win of the year tonight against the Cub. You have your kind of stopper there this season in Kyle Wright, who's been head and shoulders your best pitcher, right? You have him coming back. Ronald Acuna is in the lineup. This feels like if there's a starting point for the season, 
this feels like a really good starting point here on a Thursday night. Get Ronald in there, let him play. And look, listen, you're not probably going to see him in there every night going forward. We'll probably work him back slowly. And he's played how, what, Kevin, six games so far down there with Gwinnett. So he's five, six games down there with Gwinnett. So he's due for a day off anyway. So you probably, yeah, we, we don't know if he's going to play in the outfield. We don't know if you're going to see him tomorrow night. But we know as much as they're hyping this up right now, which this is always a tough part for us here on second down, is Brian Snicker likes to wait until after. Yeah second down to release the lineups, but uh, the Braves have put out like a giant post saying he's back. Ronald Acuna Jr.'s return to Truist Park tonight, 7.20 p.m. So, he's playing tonight. It's hard to put all that out and and not have him on the field, right? I, I feel like yeah. that's something that, you know, the, the PR and, and everything like that kind of gets together and says, hey, just just to make sure, he's not just back in the clubhouse, right? He's got he's to be on the field. Uh, so, no, you're, you're, you're with with all the different social media posts and all the coverage he's, he's got to be back out there, whether he's starting or not, but uh, either way, hope hopefully starting uh, here tonight. And listen, I'm going to give you some reasons to be hopeful. I, I feel like a couple of guys in this lineup that have really been struggling are kind of training in the right direction. We've seen clutch hits the past couple of nights uh, from Adam Duvall and from Dansby Swanson. So if you can get those guys going back to what we saw in 2021 and you inject Ronald Acuna back into this lineup, like I said, I think you can look back at the end of the year and say this is probably the starting point for a whole lot of winning. So we're hoping to see it. But we got to take a quick break again. We're out here at Coach's Corner in Savannah. Come out, sign up for our first 10 picks contest. You come out, put your name down, fill out who you think is going to go one through 10 into what team. If you get most of the picks correct, or the most picks correct, I should say most of the picks correct. I, I got six out of 10. Where's my TV? No, if you get the most picks correct out of everyone who signs up, you're going home with a 70-inch flat screen TV, courtesy of John Henderson and the awesome people here at Coach's quarter so come out watch the draft with us tonight watch some Braves with us tonight come watch Ronald Acuna Jr. with us tonight we'll be hanging out here all night at coach's quarter let's take a quick break we'll come back with more right here on second down now PJ I care about you this is our show we do it together so what we're going to do is we're going to fill out our bracket okay obviously we can't win but I also like to flex on people when we're smarter than them so yeah yeah no that's good I'm going to give you the number one pick there with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Again, all of this is predictive, not what you would do, what you think is going to happen. Who's going number one overall? Yeah, I uh, I think Trevon Walker's going number one. Uh, what would I, right. would I be would I be happy if they went with one of the offensive linemen, specifically Evan Neal? Sure, uh, but I, that seems like it's it's the third. Most likely option, right? It, it seems like that's that's third on the list right now. We'll see, but uh, either way, I think Trevon Walker goes number one. Uh, they listen to the bulky for for one last time, maybe. But either way, I think I think he's a great player, and I think that's a really solid pick either way. So uh, I think they go Trevon Walker number one. All right, and I think Detroit is sprinting to get this pick in. Aiden Hutchinson, Michigan. I'm not as hyped up about this dude as everybody else seems to be. And obviously these scouts get paid a whole lot more money than I do, but I've, I keep hearing the comparisons to the Boses and some of the other amazing edge rushers that have come out recently. I don't see it, but again, 
I think maybe some of this has to do with the fact that Michigan made the playoffs for the first time, beat Ohio State for the first time in, what, like 15 years? So I think maybe he's just riding the Michigan hype train right now. I hope I'm wrong. I hope dude has a long, successful career in the NFL. I don't think it's a wonderful pick, but I got Detroit uh, taking Aiden Hutchinson at two. All right, Houston's where the draft gets interesting, PJ. They go defensive back. Do they snag an offensive lineman? Where do you see the Texans going? I think the the popular pick here is not only offensive lineman, but uh, Equanu from from NC State. This is the first time I'm I'm going to deviate because it's it's one of these things, Uh-oh. right? Like you said, it's I know they're experts, but but like you said, is it it's it's what I think is going to happen, but it's also like what I want to happen. Like if this team's smart, they'll go here. If they want an offensive lineman. Go Evan Neal. I think they go with Alabama's Ooh. Evan Neal, and I, I don't think it's. I don't. I also don't think it's very difficult and a a dumb thing, right? To go well, we're the third. We're the third spot in the draft. We want a great player. We want the best player at a certain position. Let's just see who Alabama has, right? I, I think that's a great tr- choice. So uh, I'll, I'll go with Evan Neal there at number three. All right. Obviously, they need a quarterback. Even if they want to say they're building around theirs as much as they can say it's yeah, a blue right. in the face. I don't think they're trying to build around their current quarterback. I think maybe they're just like, hey, there ain't a quarterback in this draft that's good enough to go third overall. I think Evan Neal's a great pick there. All right, New York Jets up. One of their two first-rounders coming up. They need defensive back help. They need a wide receiver. After Tyreek Hill was like, no, thank you. I'm good on that. True. But they need – some help in the wide receiver core, but also you need to find somebody that's going to cover Tyreek Hill, right? You need somebody that's going to be a lockdown corner. And I think you need a guaranteed pick here. If you're the New York jets, that's why I think they're going corner. And that's why I think they're going with sauce Gardner, the cornerback out of Cincinnati. I think it's down to him and Derek Stingley for that fourth pick for the jets. And I think they go with the sure thing as the ceiling for Derek Stingley, I think, is higher, but Sauce Gardner, I think, is going to be a ten-year NFL corner. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good pick there as as well. And uh, like like you said, it's going to be that or wide receiver, but it, it'd be insanely smart for for uh, the Jets, I think, to go corner here and and go Gardner, uh, absolutely. So move down here to the Giants at at number five. Let's, and, let's move. Let's go. Yeah, and and with. The Giants themselves obviously need a little bit of everything, but really have always been looking to solidify their offensive line and need the help for sure. Like you have Saquon Barkley trying to do everything, getting hurt every single year. You have uh, Daniel Jones, and if he's going to stand back there and throw the ball effectively or halfway effectively, you got to keep him upright, right? So uh, I know a a lot of people have uh, cross going here. I am actually, since he has now slid down in our projections, I'm going to go Ekem Aquanu. Uh, I'm sorry, correct me if Icky. I'm wrong. Iki Aquanu, you're good. Yeah, there, there you go. So, Iki Aquanu, going to go with, with him from MC, NC State there. Obviously, a, a insanely insanely good player, a massive individual, and has all the size and talent that you want uh, to be able to protect those guys. So, let's, let's go Giants uh, there at number five with Aquanu. Yeah, he's the guy that I – my dreams that the Atlanta Falcons desperately need, but I don't think that's going to happen. All right, number six is the Carolina Panthers. They need a whole lot, but this was interesting is you don't know if they're committed to Sam Darnold or not. And 
basically since he's been a starter in the league, statistically he's been the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Granted, he hasn't played for great franchises, and he hasn't had a whole lot around him, but he hasn't done anything to elevate his franchises either. So I'm thinking the Carolina Panthers are going quarterback, but I don't think they're going to pick somebody that's eerily similar to a Sam Darnold, and that's Kenny Pickett, right? Same kind of pocket passer, not going to dazzle you with their, I guess, genetic makeup is the best way to put it. Like, they ain't out here running four fours, right? And they don't have overly big arms. They have both Kenny Pickett and Sam Darnold both have NFL arms, but they don't have the holy cow! Did you see that kind of an arm, right? They're not flicking it, right? They're not slinging it. They're just kind of throwing it, and that's okay. I think they're going to go with the quarterback here. I think it's going to be Malik Willis out of Liberty. Interesting. That's where I'm at. Yeah, very interesting for sure. I th- I thought for a second, I thought I thought you were going there with Pickett. You know what's interesting about Kenny Pickett? Apparently, uh, rule there that the head coach for the Panthers recruited him heavily to try and get to Temple, so that there is some okay. Well, here's my thing: history there. Here's my thing: there's a little bit different level of play in the NFL than Temple. That's true. I'm just saying you know, that a lot of these things are about relationships, right? Like if, he, if he takes if he takes Kenny Pickett and anything had to do with the fact he was recruiting him to Temple, I bet there's going to be a whole lot of other guys like, Coach, you recruit me to Temple too. It's like, ah, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not yeah. quite the same. Yeah. Listen. All right, so we got Carolina <laughs> off the board. New yeah. York Giants with their second pick in the last three. Yeah, and uh, the thoughts are that they're probably going to go defense here since they got an offensive player there and not only that but but a solid offensive lineman I, it'd be insane dude it'd be crazy if they went like offensive lineman offensive lineman here like cross and uh, that that'd be that'd be insane but talk about you know the the kind of potential they could have in the future with that but uh no i think they're going to go defense here and i think man i i i don't know i i a lot, a lot of people are saying Johnson right now, and I know Jermaine you want Johnson's Thibodeau to really fall good. to eight, but no. But this isn't about what we want. This is about what we think is going to happen. That's true. I and it's it's hard for me to imagine. I I don't know. I think the John. Okay, the Giants have been linked to Jermaine Johnson quite a bit. I've gone with some some different picks, whatnot. If they've been linked to him this much, maybe maybe if they fall to him, he's their favorite guy, even over Thibodeau. So I'm going to go with the Giants. Taking Jermaine Johnson there out of Florida State. I'd pro- I'd, you know, I agree with you. I think that's probably what's going to happen tonight. An awesome story uh, for Jermaine Johnson. Just like didn't have the grades coming out of high school, which I don't want to sound like ES- like the ESPN graphic designers on draft night where they're like, this person uh, played football since they were five, was all state in high school in track uh, in 2017. Uh, and mother was addicted to drugs. It's like, the, what is yeah, this crap right here? I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to be that person, but his story was the reason he would have been a top prospect, didn't have the grades coming out of high school, went to independence, got his, got his grades up there, and then came to Georgia and played well at Georgia. And he transferred. I thought it was probably the most honest transfer of all time where he didn't try to come up with an excuse, didn't try to come up with something where he was like, uh, this coach said this about this, or I was lied to about this. He's just straight up said, I needed to get more tape. I, I'm going to Florida State. I realize it's a it's not as good of a team. You're not going to win as many football games down there, right? He went to Florida State 
to get more tape to get ready for the NFL because he didn't think he was going to get enough. He bet on himself, went to Florida State, was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, and now he's going to be a top 10 pick. So I think it's really a cool story there for Jermaine Johnson. All right, coming out, number eight overall. Let's talk about who we still have on the board here. Kayvon Thibodeau, still on the board. Charles Cross, still on the board. All the wide receivers, still on the board. Kyle Hamilton, still on the board. The Falcons have done a really good job of keeping everybody in the dark, and I I, I like that. Right, you don't know where their heads are at coming into this draft. I think that's probably a good thing. I can't imagine that if Kayvon Thibodeau falls to the Atlanta Falcons, that they pass on him. As much help as you need in the secondary and the help you need in the wide receiver core, there's not a wide receiver unless you want to risk it, I think, on a Jamison Williams that's as good at what they do as Kayvon Thibodeau is at what he does. I don't understand what's going on, and maybe it's just inside of the research, but maybe it's just inside the research that teams have put out around his background or like where his interests lie. But I coming out of high school, top pick, goes to college, lives up to all of the hype, right? And now all of a sudden he's falling down draft boards. If he falls to the Falcons, I don't think there's any way they can't take him. So I'm gonna go with Kayvon Thibodeau to the Atlanta Falcons at eight. I think that I think that'd be really solid. At the end of the day, like you said, at the end of the day, I think he's an insanely solid player. He's a guy that that earlier in the process I, I was arguing that he's better than Hutchinson and should go number one. So um, I I would not be unhappy at all if if the Falcons ended up getting him um, to. to are there some other players in this draft that, that I think it would be extremely great for them to get? Sure. Uh, but I would not be disappointed or unhappy by any means if they come away uh, with Thibodeau. But, uh, now, like, let me say this. I don't think yeah. this fixes everything, and I would probably for be sure. happier if they took – like Again, in this situation, Evan Neal uh, and Iki Iquanu are both off the board, and you, to me it would come down to Kyle Hamilton or him. And obviously, neither one of them fixes what I think is the biggest problem for the Falcons, which is just being soft at the line of scrimmage. Right. So I think you put him next to Grady Jarrett, and half of your defensive line is pretty good. If Marlon Davidson can step up and you can get a couple other people, like a John Kaminsky can, can hold his own and you can pick up some more people in the draft, then all of a sudden it's a position not of strength, but that's not a glaring weakness. Yeah. No, no. Very, very true. Very true. Uh, very good point. Uh, absolutely. And uh, yeah. So I, I think that I think that'd be extremely good. So, uh, moving on to now Seattle. Seattle there at number nine after the Falcons, and they've been like you talked about Sauce Gardner. They've been linked uh, to a guy like Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, Needs some help in that secondary, maybe rebuilding that Legion of Boom a, li- boom a little bit. But I think there's there's another problem though. Also, there's another problem that this team has Uh-oh. that they kind of need need to address pretty quickly, and I think they can with with uh, one of these three. There's like three insanely good offensive lineman that you could take kind of in the top 10. I feel like there's, oh, there's a little I bit like of a it. drop off there. What's I up? like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think also, if you look at the Seahawks problems, Russell Wilson, when he was there was the one of the most hit and pressured quarterbacks in the NFL. And, and I know you, you talk about Matt Ryan a lot in that, that spot too, but you look over at Seattle, he was under pressure a ton and obviously he's out of there now. But for your next guy, you need to be able to fill those spots. 
Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. I think they, they see that as a more pressing need and try to fill that hole. It's amazing, though. Legion of Boom with Derek Stingley right I know. there. It seems perfect, right? Right there. But, no, I, I agree with you. I think Charles Cross would be a really good pick uh, for them in that situation. All right, final pick of the top ten here. Again, this is us trying to just dominate you uh, in these picks. You can come fill out yours at Coach's Corner for your chance to win a 70-inch flat-screen TV. The New York Jets with their second pick in the first round. Uh, we already have them taking Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati, so they got their corner. Now they need a threat for Zach Wilson, somebody for him to become his go-to target going forward. You have your full choice of wide receivers here. It just comes down to which one. And I, for whatever reason, everybody is hopping on the Drake London train. Again, this is me predicting what happens, not what I would do. I got the New York Jets taking Drake London at number 10. That would make sense because what what do I mean what do bad teams do, right? They overthink things and make the make the wrong pick. So I, I think right. you could go with uh, obviously I, I would go with Jamison Williams and Williams here if you know I was in that that room and and had that opportunity. I think a lot of people would go Garrett Wilson if you don't go but like you said, teams are I feel like overthinking this a little bit and falling in love with Drake London. He's not a bad wide receiver. Uh, don't get me there, but I think there are guys better than him. And if I was the Jet, but again, that's not what that's not what bad teams do, right? So, no, right. I'm I'm with you there. I think if he's there at number ten, they need that kind of help, and and everyone's falling in love with him. Uh, I I can definitely see that happening. Yep. So there's our top ten. Just quick recap here: Trayvon Walker going number one overall. Aiden Hutchinson number two. We have the Falcons taking Kayvon Thibodeau. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Get you ready for three and out next, right here on second down. <laughs> 